Hi lovely people, welcome back to Matriarch the podcast. We are back with a brand new episode today. I hope that you all loved the last episode on failure. It was such an interesting discussion and again if anyone wants to keep that conversation going our DMs and emails are always open. But today's episode is going to be on a real topic that's close to my heart, close to I think many people's heart in our generation and that is the rise of online activism. Something that I think has been become a huge part of my life and what I do f- kind of for a living now. Um, and I just want to talk it through a little bit about, you know, where it's headed, misinformation, danger, pros, cons, mistakes, all that kind of good stuff. I think currently at the moment, you know, we have such a culture of delving, deep diving into issues on our social media, and I think it's brilliant. But where's the aptitude for it where's the room for mistakes and failure is there any at all that's what we're going to be discussing today so it's just me myself now on another solo episode i hope that you enjoy this and happy listening so online activism right the rise of i guess is it hopeful? Is it detrimental? Is it a bit of both, right? That's what we're going to kind of discuss, maybe try and find an answer to today. But whether it's a Facebook status update or a viral Instagram infographic, you know, something that we're really used to seeing nowadays, this idea of utilising your voice as a tool for change is nothing new, particularly online. And I think we've all seen a huge surge in this since our first lockdown in the UK which was around March 2020 when Black Lives Matter really kicked off and I'd like to think you know at least for the most part generations of social media users um, kind of 90s 2000s 2010 babies in fairness I really do feel like we felt that there's a change that's occurred in social media from it being you know just this personal and private space for our private lives um and this idea of of using it as a tool has really come into the forefront of our everyday the idea of publicity in fact and what that really means on kind of open forums like instagram has really changed and the power of it and that's very different you know to what it was even one year ago let alone two years ago And so it's not just about kind of just celebrity news anymore, do you know what I mean? It's also about um, what celebrities are doing for social causes, you know, Um, rather than just what they're wearing to the Brits, right? So there has been a change in our discourse and our use of social media and how people are even discussed and what our priorities seem to be on social media and how people present those priorities. Now, there at least is, I think, more of an active and consistent culture of engagement um, of generations on social media. And I think that that is still very considerable compared to where we were before. I think before, at least a year ago, before March 2020, there was definitely an ignorance is bliss kind of thing for a lot of people, you know, especially if you weren't really engaged with news or local events or whatever. And we're just constantly, or at least primarily, using social media as a tool for entertainment more than anything else. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I think it's very interesting to see a shift in priorities and how that's split between generations, right? So social media as a tool, you know, that's that is a not a new discussion at all. But I think it's a really interesting and ever changing one because for so long, 
I think the the focus of the conversation has been on the dangers and the negative sides to social media you know that at, at my school for example we had regular kind of um well not regular but we had a few um sessions where a local police officer would come in to do you know a talk on online safety and all that kind of stuff and of course actually now a lot of that info is wildly out of date right because our technology and our culture with technology is just developing so rapidly which I think has created us to be generations of more adaptable thinkers but in a different way because often now you'll even get it where some people are doing a university course and what they learn at uni is already out of date by the time they reach the workplace so there's a lot of quick growth and adaptation in younger generations and I think with social media it's just another example of how we've adapted it for you know the purpose we want at that time which for now seems to be um, a lot more activism which is great and so of course back to the kind of the darker stuff we know how social media can be a dark place it absolutely is I've for sure seen darker sides to it from kind of racist backlash um and all that kind of stuff and even earlier stories like um that of Amanda Todd a number of years ago now who took her own life very sadly from cyberbullying so the darkness of the internet has always been a very present idea and I feel at least when I was growing up the focus was very much on how social media is a bad and dark and scary thing and we need to protect our kids from it rather than how to transform it. And I think that that conversation is just as important now, if not more, and just kind of acknowledging, okay, so this thing has its dangers, we acknowledge that, but then, okay, how are we going to transform it into a place that is less dangerous and maybe even use it for good it kind of sounds like some kind of superhero story right but actually it's a pretty pedestrian narrative because once you gain an understanding of something you can better it you know that doesn't take a superhero I really don't think it does you know anyone can pick up their phone and create content right and again that I understand that can be both villainous and heroic but I guess it depends on who's doing it and what you choose to do with it right that's the freedom that we get with that. And especially now, if you look at the amount of analytics and quantitative data that are really readily available about social media use, whether it's your audience or whatever, using that to communicate certain messages and create content can be really powerful. You know, I do it on a daily basis. It's a really powerful thing. And yeah, it can be dangerous for sure. But if we focus on the danger purely and primarily and we don't think about how we can move past it, we're just going to be stuck on it, right? And that's how I feel it's been up until the past few years, up until I've really kind of, in my room at least, taken it into my own hands a little bit. And I think this discussion about social media being a good or bad place is a prime example of when conversations get polarised into good and bad, and there's no middle ground to be found. And actually, I think conversations like these need a lot more neutrality and productivity to move the conversation forward I feel like we've been stuck in a bit of a rut with social media of is it this good or bad place well it's a bit of both but let's try and make it the best place it can be right and I know that that might sound quite naive but ultimately I do really think that that's kind of the way to go on it so what has the last year shown us? You know, I keep talking about the, since the last year, you know, a lot has changed. Well, 
it showed us a few things, right? Most simply, it's shown us the opportunity that time creates. Ultimately, and I truly believe this, that the effect of the movements that we saw last summer really would not have occurred if it had not been for the pandemic and the time that that created for us, you know, a lot more than any of us were used to and had had before. Okay, there was no longer the excuse of being constantly busy and, you know, you've got a jam-packed schedule and blah, 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 as to why you weren't engaging in social justice issues. And obviously, whilst that time has now depleted significantly as we start going back to these busier schedules and we start, you know, doing more things, whatever, I feel like at least it has changed the culture somewhat, especially that of younger generations. Um in our engagement with issues online because social media last summer was transformed dramatically and very very quickly so whilst that wasn't sustained completely its effect I feel has somewhat disseminated into our culture to be more proactive, present, outspoken um, about a huge array of issues you know not just singular issues um, but but you know masses and obviously you had the performatism element I acknowledge that I got angry about that myself but that in itself was inevitably always going to be a lesson surely because you know as we always talk about on matriarch the only way we learn is to fuck up and correct ourselves which at least in my room it I definitely feel like I saw from some people I saw the performatism but I saw them really work on that and now that's really changed not for everyone absolutely not for everyone but definitely a fair few and so I think people have seen how places like Instagram can be an informative and great tool to access content and information and more than that because of discussions like performatism, people are learning how to use it correctly. Obviously, (laughs) obviously, there is absolutely a flip side to all this. I completely acknowledge that, with performatism having been a dangerous nicety as well as just a lesson. And, you know, the spread of misinformation has been wildly present. And, And that's, again, misinformation, not a new thing. But in the age of infographics, it's becoming easier to do. And that's what makes it really hard, I think. it's If you look at it kind of holistically, things like Instagram infographics is the transition between taking um, news or fact or even history and often really emotionally rooted stories and trying to transition and transform those into understandable, chewable, digestible chunks of information on a platform like Instagram, which is ultimately working on an aesthetic basis, right? You know, Instagram was always a place about aesthetics. Its algorithm is still dictated by posts that are deemed attractive to people and how much traction they get. So there's no way by doing that that you don't then miss out or lose information through this process because often you're taking what can be quite serious or violent or um, distressing and personal information and trying to communicate that on a platform which is really you know was built to kind of let people post their selfies and post their personal pictures um 
So whilst the rise of the of infographic culture um, as a source of information can be rich, it can be useful, we definitely have to question its dependability. Things like who's writing this? Yeah, what's their bias? After everyone has one, right? You know, what information are they using? Who are they quoting? Where are they sourcing it from? Are they backing it up? Are they letting me know that so that I can, you know, continue my education? And ultimately, the ease of social media and all of this kind of activism at our fingertips, I guess, it takes out the need for us to be such critical and active thinkers. That, for me, is kind of a bit of a shocker, you know, because if if that information is there on a shareable post, which is, you know, it seems to be rich in information, it also probably aesthetically looks quite nice, you often don't even think twice about finding out all of those questions, you know, about its reliability, how dependable it is, because that info seems to be there for you, packaged really nicely, often on a topic you don't know much about. So it seems to be from the horse's mouth. Why would you question it? It's almost packaged and built to seem completely reliable and honest. But we do need to question its reliability, its honesty, how it's affecting the other people who might see it. And I think along the way, through this kind of culture, we've almost been offered easy access to information which is packaged up really nicely and can be, you know, but but can be these really deeply rooted and difficult stories. It's packaged up really nicely and we've traded in our critical thinking for it because it's so easy, it's so accessible and we've gained such a trust in it. We've seen how effective they can be. We've kind of run with it and that's great. But to the point where I think now we're maybe not thinking so critically we're not really questioning them as much as we need to be and not in a not in a malicious or doubtful way but just in a kind of conscious way you know how often do you sit in class in history class when you're growing up and they tell you not to question everything question sources think about all the different biases and perspectives and it's it's a very very similar similar vein and so there's a laziness there and you you see it in a pattern that's begun to emerge, or at least I feel that this pattern has begun to emerge. You will get a certain infographic that might go viral, often it does, and usually following it, there's a significantly less viral infographic that deals with the fallout of the first to clear up um, misinformation, um, wrong facts, things that have misled people, right? And that often comes from the first infographic, the viral one, having been made quickly to be released in the heat of the moment and catch the wave of online activism. I know this because I've done it myself. I do it. This is the work that I do, right? It's normal to make mistakes, especially in content creation. Absolutely. However, when there's such a responsibility in the content that you're making, and you know that through the audience that you gain traction from, um, from the people that it can reach, all of that kind of stuff, this quantitative data we talked about earlier, um, you have a huge responsibility in the content that you're making to not misinform people, to tell the truth, to be factual. And so it is absolutely 
imperative to take the time to make sure that it is all of those things as best as you can be than to rush to get it out you know why feed a public just because they seem hungry feed them the good you know the good honest truth right and that's a mistake like I said I've made with matriarch before and I've really learned my my lesson now because ultimately as well the other thing you've got to think about is the fact that it's a privilege it is, and as like I said, as someone who does this, I can tell you honestly, it is a privilege to be able to talk so openly about certain political issues or social justice issues, create content about them, and not be at genuine risk because you have distance to a certain issue. For example, I can talk about Black Lives Matter and all of that, but I have a privilege when I do this because I'm not black my the color of my skin creates a privilege and a distance between me and the ish and black lives matter as a movement so it's easier and and i guess another way to exemplify is that it's easier for people in the west to talk and make quick infographics about issues in the east for example this is what we're seeing a lot with what's going on in israel and palestine at the moment right but if these are rushed and quick and sweeping unfortunately that's the kind of quick fast food content I, that's how I like to refer to it you know pe- things that people really like the taste of that they're taking in really quick that's what people are extremely responsive to because they don't have to think so critically they're not used to it and it plays up to that lazy side of us and that side of us which kind of says I want to be involved, but I also don't want to make things messy for myself. But I kind of also want to show up and not be misinformed because I don't know a lot. It, You know, it's that kind of like you want to be in the middle ground. So what might have been a well-intentioned inf- infographic can actually be the cause of a huge spread of misinformation. And like I said, I'm seeing a lot at the moment with what's going on in Israel and Palestine because... The issue is once something's out there and it's viral, it's never coming back to you, no matter how much you edit your caption and dispute it. Like I said, I'm talking from experience. And again, it's not to say that all content is misleading and stuff like that, because it's not. You know, I make resources and informational content and educational content, but there's a degree of it which we should always question. You know, I love when people do talk with me about my work and say actually from my perspective and stuff like that you know because that's how we better ourselves and good content creators unless you're discussing lived in personal experiences should always be willing to be open to amends um, and the fact that they could be wrong even just being open to the fact that you might be wrong and might make a mistake makes a huge huge difference to how you then interact with people who do question your work but part of me also feels like there's a missing link between infographic culture and actual change and I think this is something that I will definitely be discussing more in the future with other people because like I said this is something that still plays on my mind it's something I'm still trying to figure out I'm doing my best. I think I'm trying, but I think it's I think it's a question that a lot of young generations have at the minute. How okay, so I'm sharing information, I'm educating myself, but I want to keep participating in real change. How do I do that? But this is the difficult part. 
you know, anyone can share an Instagram post, but how can we go beyond that? How can we take that and really turn it into action or real life work? And I believe that that crucial point lies in the petitions, the continuous discussions and engagements, your educational efforts, um, working with local and global communities and working with kind of policies um, in organisations where you can, all of those little things that often people don't feel are change, but they are, they absolutely are, because what I've come to kind of think about a lot is the fact that change almost always in our system happens in a chain of reaction kind of command, right? And so if you think that your changes are little and irrelevant, I promise you that they're affecting someone. And if they're affecting at least one person, they are worth it. But that's where true desire for change kicks in, right? That's the difference between people who just want to stay on Instagram, people who actually want to create real change. Let's take it out of social media, right? Because that's a whole other danger in itself, isn't it? If we just contain it to social media, we can live in echo chambers, we can belittle issues and believe that they're not as, you know, consuming as they actually are. We forget about the the actual human beings behind it. So what are you doing beyond the content that you're sharing? That's what people are always ask right of right after kind of what do I do next? That's that's always the question. Well, look at it this way. It's almost like you've got um <laughs> let's think of a cool analogy it's like you've got some eggs (laughs) from a shop and you're choosing not to crack them and cook them you're just going to hold on to them that's kind of what it's like you know you're learning all of this great stuff you're bettering yourself and your knowledge but you're not doing anything with it cracking and cooking these eggs could be continuing to educate yourself and then using that knowledge to teach others um, it could be protesting when and if you can, you know, that's a huge one. It could be leading and creating petitions, or maybe it's contacting your local government and MPs to represent you and your opinions and to help attain the changes you want to see. Again, you're you're starting from that kind of smaller link in the chain to hopefully grow up to a gradual bigger one, right? Um And it could be finding organisations to get involved with, you know, again, whether they're local or global, and contributing to them, even if it's on an administrative level, you're still contributing, you're still helping that greater cause of whatever organisation, non-profit you're working with. And it could be creating a space for these issues in your workplace, whether it's learning and development or diversity and inclusion, right? That's the change that you could choose to be involved with that goes beyond spreading information. And I'd like to highlight that's not an exhaustive list. That's just some very general um, choices that we we could all make. And I think, again, I'd like to say I'm, I'm very lucky to have worked in an overlap of environments as a student, as an employee, as a freelancer, all of these things, as um, a content creator, you know, an independent creator. That's I'm really lucky to do that. But in doing that, I've come across a huge range of people who are all committing and to these social justice issues in a huge range of ways in different environments because at the end of the day it does matter um 
to incorporate this into your everyday lives no matter what environment you're in whether you're at a school a university at your home a workplace whatever it is you know so I think any advice I would have that there are two things firstly never act like an expert unless you are you are actually an expert or again you're talking about that personal lived experience and b well two (laughs) never claim to know everything that is honestly kind of the two best pieces of advice I can give from my experiences of being one of these people who creates infographics and creates educational content creating an environment that encourages learning and growth I think has been absolutely integral to not matriarch success as a platform necessarily but more just actually how my educative content has helped people because it's not created an atmosphere of you can't fuck up and you can't ask questions because you're scared that people think you're an idiot it's created an environment where people feel like they can ask questions because I'm still learning too and I think that's really important to highlight when you're talking to experts or when people make you feel less than your worth in a conversation, it can be really, really intimidating. So creating where you can, when it's deserved, creating that atmosphere of learning and growth as a collective, I think is is a lot healthier. Um, And it's so important if you are a content creator or you have that kind of responsibility, it's important for you as well as the people you're interacting with and in terms of being part of the audience you know if you're listening to this sharing stuff because or sharing an let's say there's a viral infographic that you're seeing everyone share and just because you see everyone share it everywhere does not validate it as a legitimate piece of content do your own work look into it you know find out about his sources who's writing this who's behind this and if for example their sources aren't listed ask for them you know as an audience you have every right to do that and it will only better you and your education so oh I feel like that was that was a lot you know to go through and I feel like again it's one of those things where this is a really prominent and ever-changing discussion I think when it comes to it talking about social media and technology it's one of those things that you're always going to have to be on the ball with you're always going to have to be open and open-minded to the fact that things are changing constantly um, and what it looks like now is not what it's going to look like in you know two months six months two years Um, so being patient with that is really important but it also means that the discussions we can have about it have so much potential and so much future and I think that's really interesting I would love to maybe discuss this again with other people as well so maybe look out for that next time but until next time I hope that you have enjoyed this if you have any opinions if you have anything that you want to talk about or any questions again please let us know find us on instagram which is at mtrrch or send us an email thank you so much for listening just want to say an extra big thank you again for listening guys and a huge thank you for all the love on our first podcast it honestly means the world that 
you know another faction of our community is growing that you guys seem to be enjoying this it's a new way to interact with you all a new way to keep growing as a platform but grow as people as well i can't wait to see where this goes i know that in the next few weeks i'm going to have some really exciting discussions hopefully with some guests as well so if you're getting bored of hearing my voice hopefully that will change soon again i hope that you've loved it and if you ever have any suggestions of podcasts you would love to hear us talk about please let us know thank you and hope you listen next time